Welcome everyone to episode 192 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club to look back on a 3-1 defeat for Liverpool against Arsenal in the Premier League. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool have suffered just their second defeat of the season. Some would say the first legitimate defeat of the season and their second loss only since April last year. I'm just giving you a sense of how rare this is. Bukayo Saka giving Arsenal lead after 14 minutes. Liverpool with a very fortunate equaliser before the break as Arsenal had a bit of a defensive calamity. Gabriel scoring an own goal in, in stoppage time. But midway through the second half, Liverpool maybe feeling a bit of sympathy for what they'd seen at the other end. Um, had an absolute shambles of their own. Gabriel Martinelli pounced. It was 2-1. Ibrahim Akanate was sent off, so they reduced to 10 men just to make the task even harder in the final minutes of the game. And then Leandro Trossard secured the three points for Arsenal in the 92nd minute. Arsenal now close to within two points of Liverpool in the Premier League table. Man City play tonight against Brentford. They can go one point ahead if they win their games in hand, which are actually both against Brentford, I believe. Um, so we'll see how they get on there. But clearly... Um, after so many weeks of building positive momentum, a real blow for Liverpool in the title race. Um, Dan, we'll start with our three-word match reviews and just a brief summary of that Liverpool performance before we get into some of the problems in a bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's loads of sort of perspective and context in and around what we're going to talk about here. But I think just in terms of that individual performance... For me, it doesn't even warrant all three words, so I'm not going to give it it. It's it's shrinking violet, and it's not something I, I want to say, and it's obviously a little nod towards the colour of the kit, but it's I've been sort of singing from the hilltops about the mentality of this side and how it's found a way to win when it wasn't playing at its best and all that sort of good stuff that you, that you would sort of associate with a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool and none of that was on show yesterday. One or two maybe outliers from that performance, but pretty much as a collective to a man, they just didn't stand up to be counted in any way, shape or form. It was a little bit too hot for them, I felt, at Arsenal. Arsenal were good to their credit, but no one, and even the more experienced lads will come on to sort of the ins and outs of the game later on, but even the more experienced lads never really stood up to the test and said, no, this can't happen, this isn't right. And it was really disappointing. I mean, just in terms of like the basics and the fundamentals of how to compete and win a football game, we lacked in pretty much every department. I mean, second balls, like how often do you hear like, whether you play five aside, six aside, seven aside, eleven aside, Saturday, Sunday, win your second balls. And we barely won one throughout the entirety of the game. And there was just there was schoolboy errors in and amongst it as well. It was really, really disappointing. And as I said right at the top, like there's there's loads of context. You said it in your intro, like we've lost two games all season. This is probably the first fair and square one, if we're gonna be honest. The first one whereby we have been well and truly beaten by the better team on the day. I don't think anybody would really argue that. So as a collective, as a whole, in terms of how I'm looking at Liverpool and what could come this season, I'm still really, really positive. But in terms of what I witnessed yesterday, I just can't be because it was really bad. Yeah, the, this one's got like no excuses for it, really. Um, what well, would be the way I put it, just in terms of, you know, obviously the Spurs one was was its own story. Um, certain other defeats and setbacks like you saw. If you can maybe look at the referee or certain moments like that. But I think Liverpool just have to 
focus on themselves here. Arsenal completely deserves to win the game. They played really well. Um, like I say, I don't want to criticise Liverpool too harshly, just in, in the grand scheme of things. And also the fact that this is one of the hardest fixtures in world football at the moment. I mean, after sort of, you know, City away, Real Madrid away, maybe one, two other European teams tops, you know, it's right there. And this was obviously a game City lost themselves, I think going back to October or something like that, um, which adds a bit of perspective too. For me, it's it's all about the manner of the defeats, you know, of Liverpool. I mean, even if Liverpool hadn't played that well, and had lost, that's one thing. But the errors that they made in the defeat is what kind of played in my head a few times last night and, and sort of when I woke up this morning, really. Um, and I've gone with the haunting moment and everyone obviously knows what I'm talking about there. And um, unfortunately, we'll come on to that a little bit more in a second. But yeah, it's um, I, I agree with you, Dan, as well, in terms of the the mentality and things like that, again, I don't think we can necessarily sort of be like mentality monsters every week and then, you know, questioning the team too significantly when there's one game where they don't look quite at it in that regard. But essentially, you know, being in a title race, there's going to be these sort of monumental occasions a few times between now and the end of the season. Another one would be sort of going to Man United away, for example, which is going to be um, a big test, especially if they continue to improve. Um and you need to have the ability to sort of stand up to those moments and not and not shrink, like you said. And it just felt like Liverpool were... I mean, sometimes it can look that way when you're on the end of like a really well-executed opposition press, which, you know, was absolutely outstanding from Arsenal, really. But it just did have the feel of a bit of a jittery display, um, which is a bit concerning going forward. But hopefully today that they can kind of sort of develop from rather than it knocking their confidence going forward but let's get into the issues in a little bit more detail then um sort of not only the goals Liverpool conceded Dan but also the general problems with that display that Jürgen Klopp will will have to address because I mean I mean for some of the goals I suppose there won't be that much explaining he has to do it'll be more in open play um the sort of general match what kind of went wrong yeah, I mean, loads, if I'm being really honest with you. It'd be very rarely, like, there was probably a five, ten minute spell at the start of the second half where I thought we got a real sort of foothold, a little bit of control, and it felt like we were the ones sort of in the ascendancy. Other than that, there was there was half moments really here and there, and I don't think we ever, like I said, we ever truly got our passing together, got our pressing together, really. Um, Defensively, as you as you mentioned, it was absolutely ever laden from start to finish. It truly was, and even as I mentioned earlier, like the experienced lads and your world class lads as well, your Virgil Van Dijk, your Alison Beckers, even they sort of in possession away from the mad mistake that they made. They just didn't look comfortable. They never looked at it. I put Trent in that category as well in some respects. He just and the use of Trent was really interesting. The fact that we sort of persisted with him, or rather went back to him being sort of a flying fullback. Obviously, it nearly came to fruition with one particular cross, which he very, very found Cody Gakpo with. But other than that, I thought that was a strange move. Then with Joe Gomez, and he's been outstanding in recent weeks. I think he covered himself in glory yesterday in particular. And it's difficult for Gomez, because obviously doing that inverted stuff, he's been really good at it recently. But when you're doing it in a completely different environment and against a completely different level of team than what we faced in recent weeks, it looked 
it looked nigh on impossible for him, to be honest with you. He never really managed to emulate what he's been up to recently. So that was difficult to watch. But yeah, as I mentioned, I think in terms of isolating the goals and the incidents, it's it's hard because so many of them were just individual errors, lapses in concentration, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the Van Dijk one for me and Alisson, that has to be Van Dijk. And he's pretty much come out and said as much. He has to deal with that first time. He can't let it bounce. He has to control the situation. And Alisson maybe reacts slowly, but he thinks Virgil van Dijk is going to deal with it. So I don't really put too much blame at his door necessarily. And the first goal, a bit too easy, I would say. Sort of sived open a little bit. Um, And when you've got what is essentially two-man sort of honing down on your goal. And Alisson obviously does well for the first incident, but something's gone wrong there from a backline standpoint for me. And that, again, comes down to whether it be a bit of over-eagerness, a bit of a little bit too ambitious, perhaps, in terms of what we were trying to do from the start, in terms of Trent going wandering and stuff like that. But Virgil van Dijk has to sort of march through that defence better, I would say. But honestly, like, it's hard to... It's hard to really think of any passages of play whereby Liverpool look like Liverpool yesterday. I, I'm struggling with that. Like I said earlier on, there might be a Louis Diaz and an Alex McAllister who get a bit of a pass in terms of their individual performances. And I think a lot of Diaz's was down to his endeavour and his desire to try and make something happen. I don't think he was successful all the time. I think McAllister actually had a good game. But honestly, like in terms of where it went wrong, I, I just think collectively across the pitch, it was just way, way below par it really was. And you can talk about the pressing, you can talk about second balls, as I mentioned earlier, you can talk about mentality, lacking of quality, whatever you like. I mean, Gravenberch was nigh on non-existent, and I really like Ryan Gravenberch. He had one moment which actually created the goal for Liverpool. That was about it in his 60 minutes on the pitch, whatever it was. Curtis Jones grew into the game, he got better as it went on, but realistically, never really got involved necessarily. It was, it was a tough old watch. I would say, and it wasn't very recognisable from what we've seen this season and indeed in the past of Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few, basically, you know, all of the midfielders in the course there, and I agree that McAllister had it an all right game. Um, but I do think Arsenal just comprehensively won that battle. Um, you know, I think Rice, obviously, I think Jorginho won man of the match. Yeah. Rice was brilliant. Um, I think the fact that Havertz was playing up front and they had kind of three natural midfielders in there probably helped them. A fair bit, really. Um, and obviously, a lot of the issues stem from that middle of the pitch area. But yeah, I mean, I think you were right to kind of touch on that spell at the start of the second half. You had this feeling that Liverpool had got this lucky break and they were going to make the most of it. They were really good, those sort of first mm-hmm. um, really five minutes or so of the half. And it looked like, do you know what? Are we actually going to be able to go on and win this now? Um, and there was a stat from Sky that. They had more shots in the first three and a half minutes of that half than they had in the whole first half. One of the things that, that struck me was that a lot of the problems we saw in the first 45 minutes were the same as we'd seen in, in the FA Cup game, which the personnel was slightly different, but sort of strikes me as not the greatest reflection on Klopp in terms of being able to solve the problems that came up in that game and Arteta trying to execute what worked. Because for him in, in that cup game, it was just a case of he'd actually, coaching-wise, he'd put together a really good performance, a really strong press, and Arsenal cut Liverpool open. It was just a case of taking their chances. Mm-hmm. And they obviously did that with Saka, um, getting the sort of break from, from Alisson saving it. Um, and when that happened, that obviously puts a very different spin on things. Um, 
But Liverpool, like, by the same token, as much as Arsenal's press was really good, you know, they just really struggled to to build up any attacks. You you touched on it there. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's obviously um, a million times better as a tactician than I am. But I just don't really see a rationale for, like, having Gomez invert more than Trent Alexander-Arnold when he's been so effective in that role or the moments where both of them were inverting because Liverpool just weren't building up, you know, weren't getting any joy through the centre at all. Um, and it just felt a little bit kind of confused. And um, clear, clearly there was a, a motivation for it where I can make on something they'd seen in, in, in a previous game or, or whatever, but maybe it just felt a little bit, you know, convoluted really. Mm. And I'm surprised it wasn't kind of addressed earlier. Um, certainly wasn't an obvious impact if it was. And in terms of, you know, individual moments, I think Van Dyke and Allison have had a few incidents over the years where they've both been converging on the ball and it's been like, who takes charge of it? And it happens a lot and it's just a bit of a fright and that happens, but there's been one or two occasions where it has led to a goal for the opposition. I remember, I think we played Fulham in eighteen nineteen and 1-2-1 and that was in the midst of a title race as well. I think we were two nil up, or oh, no, it was one nil. And then I think Ryan Babel might have scored off a um, yeah, a mix up between the two of them. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool, I think, I think they won the game through a penalty afterwards or something like that. But um, it's not the first time it's happened, and it's just like the tiniest, tiniest weakness that they have between them. I mean, you can criticise obviously Saliba and and Raya in the first half, but this was you know much much worse. Um. And then, you know, you've already mentioned the first goal. That was just a complete defensive breakdown. Um, I think that's one of them where Klopp, like I said earlier, won't need to sort of dwell on that too much with the the players. It'll be more kind of the lack of control Liverpool were able to exert for any sort of sustained period in the game. Um, obviously, we kind of or probably had the belief that Liverpool were going to snatch something towards the end. Of it, but once Canate got sent off, you know, the team just completely... Had no structure at all. Um, and to be honest, the second yellow, I think, is a lot more justified than the first for me. Like, the, the first, even if you give a foul for the first one, like, it was basically six of one, half a dozen of the other, really. You know, Havertz was grappling with him. I don't think it was a yellow card ready foul. Or, like, it wasn't, like, Havertz was facing away from his own goal. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it was, like, doing that much just off a promising attack. There wasn't that much momentum there. So that annoyed me a bit. I think Kwanzaa will be fine against uh, Burnley. I imagine he'll be the one that starts. That won't have too much of an impact like going forward. I don't think it's more going to be um, what it meant for the, the last part of this game and just stifling yeah. Liverpool's attempts to put it in together. Obviously, they basically had no right-hand side for the, the goal that seals it for Arsenal. Um, just before we move on, because I want to look at the title race a little bit in a second, but I saw a tweet from... Um, um, Bubbles on Twitter, who has, has been on this podcast uh, mm-hmm. at one point a couple of years ago. And um, I think it was it was an interesting one because she said, you know, Alisson, um, one of the best, you know, goalkeepers ever. But he does have a bit of a tendency to make, when he does make errors, they do tend to be in really big games. Um, thinking mm-hmm. back to City earlier this season, yeah, Real Madrid last season. Was a game in in lockdown when City beat Liverpool four one, and and Allison obviously had a nightmare there. And there's probably a few others that I'm kind of forgetting. Is that something that is like the one criticism you, you could make of Allison, or, or is that 
a bit too harsh because you know we're not used to you know tearing into to him or, or Van Dyke or Salah or you know quite a lot of the the stalwarts of mm. this team. But it does feel like there's a little bit of a pattern there. Yeah, quite possibly. And obviously, you know, if the evidence begins to stack up, it's hard to, it's hard to ignore it, essentially, isn't it? The one in lockdown, um, I think Phil Foden profited, profited from that one um, in the Man City game. But that's the one that sprung to my mind straight away. And they ha- he has had moments like this, but I think he has moments like this sort of dotted in and around the season. And as you touched on before, like sometimes they get punished, sometimes they don't, essentially. I think... It's just kind of one of them things, because obviously maybe we highlight it more when it is in the big game, because that obviously hurts you more and you, the impact is felt a little bit longer, potentially. And also, obviously, we play high-risk football for the for the most part at the back, and better teams are more likely to punish you for that, because they're obviously more alert to it. The quality is higher, the press is higher, so they're probably more in and around the situation itself, because if you've got a team standing off you, and Allison and Van Dyke have a mix-up, or I think Allison and Gomez had one against Leeds as well, that's what I think that was more on Gomez, to be honest. But yeah, I guess this kind of happened. So I wouldn't I wouldn't overanalyze it from an Allison point of view, if I'm being really honest. I mean, as I say, listen, it's not good, and I'd like it if he cut it out, obviously, but it's also just kind of one of them things. As I referenced a moment ago, the better teams are more likely to punish you for it. So I just think it's part and parcel. We kind of have to accept it because that's the way we like to play. It's a risk and reward sort of strategy. And Liverpool, they're not going to change the way we operate. We've got Alisson Becker, A, because he's the best goalkeeper in terms of saving stuff in the world, in my opinion, but also because he's absolutely exceptional with his feet and his ball-playing ability, although yesterday was the exception to that comment. But, yeah, I uh, I wouldn't sort of be too concerned about it moving forward. It's not a case of, like, you know, let's just say we get to Europa League final or when Man City come to Anfield or whatever. It's like we have to be really cautious of Alisson. I just think, yeah, maybe maybe knowing when and when not to deal with situations might be sort of a bit nicer. I think I'm definitely one who panics dramatically when we are messing around at the back, especially against these high-press teams who've got all the quality and all the ability to punish you from these type of moments. But yeah, I um, I don't see us changing. I don't see Alison Becker changing. And ultimately, it's the way the football club plays now, as I say, because I watched the 18s recently play, produce one of the greatest goals I've seen a Liverpool side produce for some time. And that started from the back. And that could easily have gone wrong if, if I think the keeper played a pass basically between the lines, split into on-rushing attackers. And if you lose the ball there, you get punished. So, yeah, one of those things, I would say, is opposed to a major problem. Yeah, and I think the concern here, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, it probably was more on Van Dyke anyway, but there's obviously um, dual culpability. But the concern here is that that kind of mix-up between two of the players who, in fairness, have got us to this point in the season. You know, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are without, without the two of them. But is that kind of this season's big moment that we look back on? And that is the big worry because it's one thing if that's someone who isn't one of the team's biggest stars and is maybe liable to make a mistake. But it kind of stings extra when it's two people who are normally completely reliable because you start to wonder, you know, is that going to be something that defines this season for them? And then what does that define that sort of time at Liverpool in your mind kind of spirals out of control a little bit? Um Hopefully, they can make sure that it's not going to be a key moment in the season. It's something that is ultimately forgotten about. But kind of in the immediate aftermath of the game, this is why I said it was a haunting moment. You do just, you want to be playing another game really quickly after this one. 
you know, it's Liverpool having to wait till next weekend when they play Burnley is um, a bit frustrating in that regard. Um, you just want to put it behind you and, and be able to move on because it was such a, it kind of felt like a bit of an unravelling in, in the second half, really, um, as much as I've seen, I've seen poor performances from Liverpool um, down the years, certainly. But obviously, like I mentioned before, Arsenal, two points behind Liverpool now in the title race. Um, really good news for Manchester City as well. Probably the result they would have wanted, um, more so than a draw even in this game. What do you think it it means for the the battle for the title, Dan? I mean, Arsenal, you know, Mikel Arteta was jumping about everywhere, um, absolutely ecstatic for, for all of the goals that were scored yesterday. But have Arsenal actually, you know, can Arsenal win it or is it still between Liverpool and Man City? No, I think we'd be foolish to, to write off Arsenal, to be honest. Um, I still would have us and Manchester City as the main protagonists. Um, I still would, if somebody was going to say to me, now you have to predict the two who would really go into a running battle, it would be us and Man City, absolutely. Um, but you can't you can't rule Arsenal out. I mean, they were there or thereabouts for the large part of last season. They remain there or thereabouts at this point now in February. But yeah, I don't. That was massive for them yesterday. They were they were potentially ninety odd minutes away from being ruled out of it. I would have said, to be perfectly honest, but not just in terms of points because you know an eight points difference that's eclipsable. You can deal with that, but just in terms of what it meant for them psychologically and momentum wise, I think that might have been that might have been curtains. As it is, you know, that's fine on its head. Essentially, they've got extra momentum and extra belief that they can go on and do something. But having said all of that, I um, I don't know with Arsenal. And we've seen this a little bit sort of pre-Christmas and indeed over Christmas where they had a real wobble. And yeah, they might have got themselves back on track since then. But is that next wobble coming quite possibly? Whereas with Liverpool and Manchester City, just because of what we've done, you know, in the past few years during Pep and Klopp's reigns in the Premier League, essentially, we know what we're about. We're coursing distance at this. We've been there and done it. Like Arsenal had one half semi-try last season and fell way, way short, way, way short of what was required. Whereas Liverpool and Man City, we've been there, we've done it, we've got the T-shirts, we've been on the right side of it and the wrong side of it of course so yeah I do anticipate that it will be it will fall on us and them again so it will go toe to toe but no Arsenal are not done but from a Liverpool standpoint more importantly I think a little bit of that I know Twitter is Twitter and social media is social media but the amount of bottled it this is from Liverpool fans as well, bottled it, titled done, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And if you just, it's almost if you read all that and you go, all right, well, we must be now third and like two points adrift. And then you do check the league and you go, oh, no, we're not. We're quite frankly the opposite of that. So that's a little bit mental. So if you'd have offered me this position now, sort of start of the season, I'd have A, said you were mad because I don't know any Liverpool fans the white coats would have been coming for Liverpool fans if we decided we were going to win the league, let alone win it at a canter. So to be in this situation now, clear, albeit potentially not clear at some point, with Man City to come to Anfield, like it's it's not dreamland, but it's not too far removed from it. So we just need a little bit of that, like I said, a little bit of that perspective and that, yes, it was bad yesterday and it was bad, of course it was. Is it the end of the world? No, it's not. Can we still win the title? Yes, we can. So... Yeah, and it will be fitting. It will be fitting if Liverpool won the title in a toe-to-toe battle with Man City to uh, send Klopp off in his way. It would be the perfect ending in a way. Um, winning it easily by 10 points 
isn't the way this needs to end. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, this entire race is well and truly on. It's fascinating. It's interesting for the neutrals in particular. For Rose, it's going to be another one of them, I think. Yeah, I mean, on the title race question, I mean, uh, so Liverpool, like I said, have lost one of the toughest games they'll play all season. And for me, that's like the key difference between this and, you know, drawing at Luton, for example. When you draw like at Luton, you start to think you're up against a team who so often achieve perfection, basically in the entire second half of the season. And games like that are the ones you look back on and say, we could not afford those drop points um, against the team of the standard of City. You're never going to be punished for that. I think yesterday, there's a limit to how much you can criticise your team for losing a game like that. Like I think there's a point where a degree of entitlement comes in if you're going to demand that Liverpool go to Arsenal for the second time this season and win. And the way I look at it, like as as a fan watching a title race, the best thing to do is not overreact to wins and not overreact to losses, because otherwise you just kind of you're gonna struggle to cope. I mean, there's still what 15 games to go. You're gonna struggle to cope during the title race if you're allowing yourself to be pulled from sort of emotional pillar to post, really. Um, and the way I think of it is like if you look at it that way, you'd want the team to have the same approach. You, you don't want the team to be over-celebrating after a win. You don't want them to be, you know, for example, taking a photo of the fans with the club photographer or something like that after after a win in uh, in February. Um, you want them to just, you know, take each game as it comes, you know, remain very much in the moment, not get carried away. And that comes after defeat too. If the dressing room was panicking as much as I imagine everybody on Twitter is at the moment, then we would actually be finishing the title race. And I get it because of the you know the scarring experience we've had as football fans in recent years going up against Man City and the form that they've been in and the fact that, yeah, you know they can obviously go top now. But the fact that Liverpool still have City to play at home is a huge advantage. You know, it is still in their hands, like we always say. And we've just got to be willing to accept the fact that the likelihood was that between that win over Chelsea and the end of the season, Liverpool were going to lose a game. Liverpool were going to drop points somewhere, and there was going to be a setback. To to, to expect that that wasn't going to happen at all would be incredibly naive. Even though we have seen you know really long winning runs, but you know, Liverpool weren't going to rattle off twenty wins in a row or something like that to end the season. Um, it's just not that kind of campaign. And if there's any game between now and then where I think you can accept Liverpool losing this was it you know, this was the hardest game Liverpool have got left in my opinion because I would say that going away to Arsenal is harder than playing City at home so I think you're right Dan perspective it is absolutely the key with all of this whether in terms of whether Arsenal can win it I don't think so um I think in the long term they'll look back on to, on yesterday as a bit of a false dawn just because I think do you know what they've beaten Liverpool at home they've drawn away at Liverpool they've um beaten City They've still got cities to go to. Wonder if it'll be a sort of Chelsea 13, 14 thing where they get a good um selection of results against their immediate rivals but fall down elsewhere. Because I just don't think Arsenal are strong enough in those other matches um to do it personally. But you know, maybe I'll be at my way to the end of the season. We'll see. Um just there was just one positive to mention it at the end of this as well. Um beyond kind of the title race picture, and that's that we did see 
Thiago returned to action. Um, I think about, what was it, 10 months on from the last time he played. I think he'd missed 42 matches. So he'd missed sort of almost a full a full Premier League season and a bit, really, of football. Um, so hopefully that's kind of a big boost, gives Klopp another option in midfield. And it's not just any option as well. It's a, a player who's world-class when he's at his best. Not the most memorable cameo yesterday in the circumstances. The only thing I, I can actually recall him doing is sort of playing a blind pass to one of the centre-backs and giving the ball away. But hopefully next week against Burnley and then moving forward beyond that, he's able to play a much more significant part and, and be a little bit of a game-changer for Liverpool in this race. So easy to forget that in the midst of the, the unravelling that we saw in the second half yesterday. But um, hopefully that's going to be a key moment in the title race as well. Um, but we'll obviously see what happens. Thanks very much anyway for for joining us for this episode. Thanks, Dan, for coming on as well. We'll be back um, during the week to have a look at Liverpool's manager situation because it's been a bit hectic since the news came out. So make sure you stick with us for that one. And yeah, um, join us for our next Match Reaction episode too after the game against Burnley. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating, please. Remember to follow the podcast and press the notification button too. I remember we've got an email address in the episode description. But yeah, until the next one, take care.